You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 110 of the College Loop Podcast. And this is actually, I think, the first like normal episode we've had in like a week. So I think episode 109 came out like, I think, Tuesday of last week. And now we're back in the swing of things, ready for another normal week of the College Loop, plus the game preview that we'll put up every Friday for this football season. But Daniel, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, Dylan, I'm doing pretty good. Um, just enjoying my Labor Day. Went to the Hugh Freeze press conference earlier today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Auburn is 1-0. Uh, and volleyball, we'll get to them in a second. They are 5-0. So a lot of a lot of good things going around Auburn athletics. But just kick it up with – you brought up the press conference. Just get straight into the football conversation. And Hugh Freeze has had his press conference today talking about yesterday's game and going into the Cal game. And every question he got asked, it was that was all that was coach speak, head to toe, nothing but just yeah. We're just, I'm not going to answer that question right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we have a lot of guys. Yeah, and Daniel, since you were there, I'll let you kind of enlighten the crowd on on everything that he freeze kind of pointed fingers at. Sure. So just getting to the big one first. Um, Rich Silva of the Montgomery Advertiser asked, um, I believe it was him. He asked Coach Freeze if. Chuck Pless was going to be good to go on Saturday, and he said, you know, we have a list of guys whose um, kind of status for Saturday is up in the air. That That's just me paraphrasing. I don't remember his exact quote. But um, he kind of mentioned some guys who might not play and didn't specifically say Jark Pless was on that list, but it's kind of implied. I don't think Jark Pless Hunter will be playing week two. You don't think so? Uh, I don't think so. Is there any reason why you think not? I mean, I don't know. I just I feel like if Breeze knew he was going to play, he would have said he was going to play. Um, that's just kind of my thought on it. I mean, I could be wrong, and that that's by no means you know confirming I know anything other than what's already been said. But I just kind of the vibe I got. I don't think he's going to play. Yeah, when I heard when I heard them say that, I kind of saw it as you know he maybe he just doesn't know yet. And that, that could actually be the one thing he said that I read today that wasn't actually like Coach V. It's just, I, I don't know. Because uh, the names that, that come about whenever he's like, well, I don't, I don't know the status on any of these guys. I mean, I think of Nehemiah Pritchett, who didn't play Saturday, even though he was listed as a starter on both the Jumbotron and the the guides. And even ESPN has him down as, as a player. But, I mean, I was watching the ESPN broadcast, and they were like, he didn't play. I was like, oh, well, what? Uh, Jalen McLeod, also another big one that comes to my mind, a uh, guy who's going to be huge for that week, that first SEC game of the season in week four. But Jarquez, I, we talk, I think it was uh, one of one of y'all in the comments that brought it up uh, during our – yesterday during – or as recording this yesterday uh, on our game review uh, that maybe it was just a self-inflicted suspension just so the NCAA doesn't try to do anything more to Jarquez or Auburn. Uh, and, and if he does play, I think with with he freeze, I don't I, either. He just doesn't know, or he's just not gonna tell anybody until Jarquez is back. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, like as we've probably already said, Jarquez was present on Saturday. He was with the team. He was just not dressed out. Yeah, and, and it begs the question. I mean, we we watched this uh, running back room 
Uh, Damari Alston, we watched Sean Jackson have a monster run. Sean, uh, not Sean, Jeremiah Cobb got himself a huge run as well. Brian Batiste showed playmaking abilities all over the field, no matter if you run him up the middle, around the edge, or just flat out just kick returns. Again, it's a matter of when he's going to get a kick return touchdown, not if anymore. Uh, I saw that in in full swing on on, uh, Saturday. But is Jarquez Hunter the make-or-break X factor for an Auburn football win on Saturday when they travel to Berkeley? No. Um, This running back room is four deep. Um, There are plenty of guys who are capable of running the football. Would Would he be nice to have? Absolutely. But I don't think that he makes that big of a difference, just kind of considering everything that Auburn's got. Yeah, and I think overall, I mean, we saw uh, highlights from all over the the depth chart. I mean, even even Justin Jones came in, the walk-on came in, and kind of had himself a couple of good runs. But at that point, you're just trying to run the clock because we're not going to score anymore. Uh but Damari Alston, I think he showed a lot of promise as a, as a number one threat. I don't, I don't think in any means that he's a better running back than Jarquez Hunter. But he could get there eventually. But right now, I think Jarquez Hunter is the best running back on this team. And I, I the gap is not nearly as big uh, as it should be for me to be worried. If I do have, if Damari Alston does have to take charge of the running back room, if Brian Matias take charge of the running back room, if Jeremiah Cobb finds his way. Uh, in like a in a decent rotation, even though you know you kind of don't want him to waste all the, four of those games right away. Uh, but overall, I, I think that Jarquez Hunter, I think his offense is going to run the ball well with or without him, and we saw that against you. It is UMass, but looking at even Robbie Ashford, his ability to run is going to be dangerous in and of itself, and and just what he can do with the ball in his hands. I mean, we have. Hugh Freeze brought up the fact that he didn't have to make many decisions on Saturday. And I mean, he went two for six in his passes and one of them, it should have, it should have been three for six, but Caleb Burton didn't bring one of them down that I guess kind of got batted out of his hands, but it should have been a catch. Uh, but I mean, if you can run the ball as well as you did yesterday, and I don't think Cal's defense is all that good. I don't think North Texas is all that good, but they put up three touchdowns on, on Cal and, I mean, they gave up uh, 184 yards on the uh, through the air and only 41 through the uh, on the ground against North Texas. But then again, they didn't run the ball as much as as much as Auburn probably will on on Saturday. Uh, but the big key to the, to this is I'm looking at this depth chart again, and I'm looking at two positions on that defense that I'm just like, okay, did Hugh Freeze just recopy a, a the depth chart from last week? Because there's no way I watched the film. There's no way that Hugh Freeze also watched that film and said, yeah, I think Mosiah did a lot a lot better, more better things than Kelter Fox did. I don't think you can go into Cal Berkeley at 1030 at night for everyone else that's going to be watching the game unless you're going to Cal, which I've been hearing that that game might be a 50-50 split in the in the stadium between Cal and Auburn fans. That's basically a neutral site game. But Keldrick Falk not starting and Eugene Asante not starting baffle me just because of their immediate presence being made as soon as they entered the field on uh, against UMass. And I mean, I, I think I think one of the first few plays that Keldrick Falk got in, he got pressure on the quarterback almost immediately, which we didn't see a lot on Saturday. Yeah, um, 
Definitely a question there. Falk balled out when he got in the game. Uh, he did really, really good and made some noise at that defensive end spot for the first time all day because um, Auburn's front seven was just not it on Saturday, and it desperately needed a spark. And I feel like Falk was that uh, spark. But as Hugh Freeze has said time and time again, he doesn't really do depth charts, and he, quote, didn't even know where we got the one last week. So I highly doubt it. he's – if that's true, I doubt he's putting too much – energy into it yeah I, I just think overall he just probably just recopying and reprinting out all those depth charts i think it was but it, it does beg a lot of questions because i mean it is a talking point i mean it, it's a depth chart being put out by the head coach to the media who are constantly in conversation with the coach to get the information out to the public to the auburn fan base but again, I mean, Nehemiah Pritchett still listed as a starter on that depth chart as well. And I mean, we don't even know what happened with him week one. Uh, did, did he get hurt during practice? Uh, uh, we didn't hear anything. And, and all of us, even ESPN, assumed that he was on the field. Uh, and, and it's just a kind I, I, I love Hugh Freeze right now. Uh, just what he has been doing for recruiting. And we'll get into one of the recruits in a second because I cannot stop talking about. Gunter Carter, but he, he it's a little confusing how he kind of does his depth charts right now. I mean, it, it, I understand it from the process of you don't want to give away your starting lineup going into SEC play because, I mean, these first three weeks, I, I said we can pretty much treat those as a preseason game, uh, preseason slate, but we kind of – I don't want to say not deserve, but we kind of expect to have a little bit of solidification – on what the starting lineup is going to look like by week three. Like, I, I, even if it's Sanford, I, I don't care. I, I think that we know who's starting at quarterback. We know the starting rotation uh, at offensive line, and we know the wide receivers. And then after that, we just don't really know. That front seven, um, they switched out every other first down. Uh, it, it was just we don't know who's starting a defensive lineman. And Lawrence Johnson got in, the Purdue transfer. And just a guy we didn't hear a lot about, and now he's uh, now he's part of the first rotation in and out. Uh, Austin Key's getting taken out to be replaced with uh, Larry Nixon, who again I think that duo would have been good together. I think Austin Keys and Eugene Asante would have been good together. Uh, I just I, I'm just confused overall by just the defensive formations, especially that front seven, because like we like you just said, it's not good. No. But, Daniel, you know what know, is going to be good in 2024? Auburn's recruiting class. The recruiting class, which now sits at number 13 in the country, but this offensive line is going to be really good with the introduction of four-star interior offensive lineman, the six-foot-four, 340-pound offensive guard, from modern day, DeAndre Carter has finally announced where he is going to play college at, and he chose Auburn over Michigan State and Texas. And uh, Daniel, I don't know if you've watched any film on DeAndre Carter at all. I have. A dude, a dude at three hundred forty pounds should not move as fast as DeAndre Carter does, and I, I think get, Jake Thornton is going to have a field day whenever he gets on the field, and I, I would love it if he got here a little early. Yeah, I would too. Um... One thing I'm really hoping he's somehow able to do is Aiden Breland, a defensive lineman from Outer Day, a top 10 recruit, top five on some boards uh, in the country. 
Uh, he's the highest rated uncommitted player in the class of 2024. Teammates with uh, DeAndre. So, you know, maybe DeAndre can work some magic. I mean, recruiting for modern day is always what you want to do, right? I mean, oh yeah. If there's if there's like three schools that come to my mind when it's like you should recruit from there, like right away, it's modern day St. John Bosco and IMG. Yeah, like those three right there. I'm like, if you're getting recruits from there, you you've established yourself as a pretty great recruiter. And I'm trying to think, I don't, I can't even think of a modern day recruit that uh, Gus Malzahn was able to get. It's I not. California is not a place where I've, I've just been like, oh, Auburn got a guy from California? Okay, going out west. Uh, but I think Keontae Scott actually was from, from there. But I think Keontae Scott was a transfer, right? Am I, mm-hmm. am I making that up in my head? No. No, he was a transfer? Or no, he wasn't a transfer? No, no, he he was, in fact, a transfer, I believe. Oh, sweet. Uh, Juco. There we go, Juco. Okay, yeah, that's what I meant. So, yeah, I mean, same thing. Yeah, but yeah, DeAndre Carter, immediate game changer. Uh, I love Demarcus Riddick. Uh, I love Walker White. I love Fat Burnett. But when it comes to recruits and players that I really get hyped up to get ready to see, it's those big boys up front. And uh, I, when Jacon McCoy was looking for a place to come, uh, come play college ball at, and I, I thought Auburn's going to be in that mix. He was going to be my favorite recruit. Uh, he then went to Oregon. Uh, but then DeAndre Carter came around to me and I was like, oh, six foot four, 340 pounds. That's all I need in my life. Uh, it's an offensive lineman who can, who can just bully, play bully ball the entire game. And that's exactly what you're going to get with DeAndre Carter. And again, Jake Thornton is going to, just going to have a field day with this dude. I agree. <laughs> and then uh, speaking of O lineman, I almost, I skipped right over this Gunner Britton. Named SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. And I just want to say, I called it. He's on pace to win that uh, for the next uh, 13 weeks of the season, by the way, on pace. Even in the bye week, I think he can win it. Uh, but I just want to say, I called it. Daniel, this is this is like your Nick Mardner to me. Yeah, I, no. When we first got Gunnar Britton, I was like, this is going to be the best tackle Auburn has seen since Greg Robinson in 2013, who got drafted mm-hmm. number, one, number two overall. But Gunnar Britton, he is just so good. And you, you think of, like, he's the offensive line version of Isaiah Simmons. He can play literally anywhere in that O-line. Uh, t- left, right, tackle, guard, center, Duke can play it all. Uh, dude's an athlete at, like, 300 pounds. Yeah, and just the fact that Auburn has a player who was named SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week is just such a breath of fresh air. It's not even funny. I was trying to think of like the last guy who could have possibly done that. And what came to mind is like 2017 with Braden Smith. Yeah. Uh, who's now like a, a, a Colts, like uh, one of the best offensive linemen on the Colts uh, right now. But Gunnar Britton is just an immediate difference maker. And I honestly think anyone on the offensive line last week could have been a pick. Uh, Avery Jones had, had a lot of good, uh, a lot of good uh, blocks. Uh, he had one penalty. I believe on the uh, in the game, Isaiah Miller came in for a little bit. I think he played pretty well. Uh, there was uh, there were a couple times where the pocket broke down, but yeah. I kind of that's also an, a, a testament to Peyton Thorne's ability to to make something out of nothing. 
uh, because again, I'm just really shocked that Peyton Thorne has has wheels like that. I, I know he talked about his capability, but the wheels that he has is something we did not see in anything we watched from Michigan State film. Mm-mm. And then, so Saturday, Auburn will take on the Cal Golden Bears. Daniel, what are your immediate thoughts on that game before you know we start before we start getting real in depth on that later in the week? Well, um, it'll for sure be a step up in competition. Um, Hugh Freeze mentioned how well coached they are. Um, also, their running back, Jaden Platt, I believe his name is. Ah. What? Jaden Ott. Ah, yeah, that's right. Um, very, very good. So, um, Auburn's front seven, will, which struggled last week, will really have its work cut out for it. But it doesn't look like they were able to throw too, too well. So, oh, sorry. Still recovering from the weekend. But, um, I think that Alden will be able to stack the box and stop the run. Yeah, and I, I really hope so because looking at the stat line from last week, I mean, he brought passing the ball. Their starting quarterback they brought in didn't really play all that. I don't think they just get, they didn't give him enough chance to throw the ball, really. Uh, then ben Finley, ben Finley came in, threw the ball 34 times, completed 24 passes, 279 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They had a few turnovers, actually. Uh, I guess North Texas, but it didn't really stop him too much. Uh, but running wise, I mean, Jade Knott, 20 carries, 188 yards, two tutties. Uh, their backup running back had 10 carries, 54 yards, and three touchdowns. And the third string running back had 51 yards and one touchdown. So, all in all, this team went 56 carries, 357 yards, and six touchdowns on the ground. But I do think what we say is a step up from UMass. This Auburn is a bigger step up uh, from North Texas. Yeah, uh, and I, I hope Ron Roberts and this defensive staff can really, or not even the defensive staff really, that more of the more of the defensive line coach and the linebackers coach can really hammer in the fact that they got to step up. This is going to be a game where you were putting your hands, you're putting all of your all of your answers into one basket. You are trying to see, can I find a formation that will stop the run? Because this isn't AM. This is not Georgia. This is not Alabama. This is not LSU. This is not Ole Miss. It's not Arkansas. This is Cal. And Cal would struggle against any of the other teams. But can Auburn find a way to stop a team that wants to run the ball like all the other SEC teams want to do? Uh, can Auburn get pressure on the quarterback, uh, which they weren't able to do against UMass, but they're going to have to step up some way? And we saw immediate uh, step ups. We saw immediate like uh, uh, changes in, in in formations and drives and uh, and who was on the field and who was not. Uh, I mean, just during the drives itself, Auburn, uh, Hugh Freeze, and Ron Roberts were able to make immediate changes to the defense to help stop UMass's attack because UMass was moving the ball way too easy on some of those drives. Uh, and some of them they started off very well, and then Auburn was the, the UMass started off very well for themselves, and then Auburn came in and was like, all right. All right, we need to change up. So I'm hoping this depth chart is not the same thing as as last week. I hope it's not going to be the same uh, people that are actually going to go out on the field because, again, I think Keldra Fox should be on the field uh, for the majority of the defensive end snaps. I, I think Eugene Asante not having him on the on the linebacker court is a crime. Uh, it should be at any given time Austin Keys and Eugene Asante and then maybe switching out for Cam Riley and – uh, also getting Larry Nixon on the field. Larry Nixon, I think, is going to be a huge player that's going to have to really uh, show it, show himself 
uh, against UMass uh, uh, Cal because of his ability to stop stuff the run, which he would have been a huge point of emphasis if he would have stayed at North Texas in this game. Uh, he would have been the guy they would have to rely on. Now Auburn's going to have to rely on him to also step up and do what uh, Hugh Freeze recruited him to Auburn to do, which is stuff the run. And if Jade not has a game like he did against North Texas, which he won't, uh, just difference in talent. But there's a chance if this, if this front seven just does not improve, this game could go down to the wire. I agree. Um, and I really hope it doesn't get to that point. But I was talking to my roommate about it earlier. This just seems like a game where if Auburn goes out there and wins, like, yeah, it'll be cool, but it's just kind of like whatever. But if Auburn goes out there and loses, that's just a real bad – that's just a real bad conversation uh, right here at the beginning of the freeze tenure that he doesn't want. So I hope that Auburn is able to go out there and get it done. Yeah, uh, you and you and the rest of everybody around here, man, because uh, it'd be—I think it would be a pretty big statement to go into going to California and take down a, a an ACC team, technically, <laughs> uh, who, who right now, I mean, and. The SEC's not doing that well in primetime, uh, currently 0-3 in the primetime games, and I think this qualifies uh, Pac-12 after dark, but instead of on Pac-12 Network, it's on ESPN. If you Freeze can establish uh, his offense very well, I, I think Cal's defense has a really good player in Jackson Sermon, a linebacker, but around him, I don't think it's the best defense in the world. I think they had a better defense last year. I, I think this game, I'm not going to give any predictions out because we're going to do that later on in the week, uh, but I definitely think this game, if if they have the over-under out yet, uh, I would have to talk myself out of picking the over in any situation for this game. Yeah, I agree. But with that, Daniel, I'm going to go do a little segment that I got going on here. We're going to talk about a little SEC ball, uh, SEC ball that happened on Sunday, actually, with Auburn's fifth or week five opponent, week six opponent, week six, week seven, seven, week seven opponent after the bye week. But here's the intro for give me a sec. All right. Now this is going to be something we're going to do throughout the football season, maybe for basketball as well. Just kind of go in depth on some of the games that we watched from this weekend. We're only going to talk about LSU FSU because uh, you don't really learn much from other, the other games that went along. Uh, we're, but we're going to keep it to teams that are, we're going to be playing this season. Uh, hopefully unless another big game happens around uh, the season. But I mean, if you look around uh, Vanderbilt took care of business against Alabama and m took them a little bit to get there, but they did it. Uh, but everyone else pretty much played a nobody. But LSU and Florida State, number five versus number eight, no longer number five LSU, I might say, uh, whenever the AP poll comes out. I believe it comes out tomorrow, right? Or did the AP poll already come out? Did I miss it? Daniel, did I lose you? I think that's right. Yeah, okay. So it should come out, it should come out today as it comes out, really. Uh, but – FSU took care of business, 45-24 to 24 against the LSU Tigers. Uh, Jordan Travis had five touchdowns in this game, throwing for 342 yards, threw for four of those touchdowns, and then ran in for one touchdown for himself. But overall, uh, Florida State, they look good. Like, 
Florida State looks I agree. really, like really that. good. Yeah, that's a scary team in the ACC. Yeah, and it helps that uh, that they out recruited Auburn for that for wide receiver Keon Coleman, uh, who his first game in the Florida State uniform, he had nine catches for 122 yards and three touchdowns over a Florida uh, over a LSU defensive back room that we all thought was going to be much improved from last year. Uh, I mean, they went to the portal, they got a bunch of guys. Uh, Deuce Chestnut had a pretty decent game to start off, but then it turned around, and I mean, Jordan Travis just went to town on, on on LSU defense and Florida State's defensive line went to town on LSU's offensive line. And I mean LSU, I I just don't think they're gonna be as good as we thought they were gonna be. Yeah. Um definitely a, a playoff favorite from a lot of people. A lot of people thought they were capable of winning the West, but I don't know. They've lost three of their last four games all by double digits. Um I know going back to last year's new season doesn't really matter. Um, but they're just a very, very – they're very good, uh, I still think. And I think that they will get back to, you know, being a solid top ten team, but I don't think they're as good as advertised. Yeah, and looking back, I, I, I wish hurries was something that I could find on ESPN's website uh, right off the bat. But four sacks, five TFLs, uh, that offensive line for LSU could not could, – couldn't stop anything. No. Uh, and that – I want to say it bodes well uh, a little bit for an Auburn team that's going to have a bye week to get ready for that team. Uh, LSU probably won't be the same team that we just watched. Uh, hopefully they're – if Brian Kelly is any any has any hindrance of a of a good coaching bone in his body, uh, which I think he does have, he's just not a very likable individual. Uh, this LSU team should be turned around. Uh, but I did pick LSU to win this game, but I also picked Florida State to go to my college football playoffs. So it's a win win for me. Uh, or yeah, it was a win win for me either way because now Florida State looks really good, and hopefully. Uh, by the time we're done recording this, uh, Duke and uh, Duke and Clemson will start off. And if Duke could, could win that game, I don't. If, the determination's up in the air because we're this would come out after the conclusion of that game. Uh, Florida State could definitely find their way into the playoffs conversation if they just take down Clemson in a few weeks. And man, oh man, am I going to be even more cocky than I have ever been on this show because I called that two weeks ago. Uh, and Mr. Harrison Tarr will be here. First thing to hear me gloat, I even bought a Florida State hat in celebration uh, of my spitefulness for his pick. Uh, but last-minute thoughts on that game, I just – I think LSU's probably not as a sound pick for the West as we thought they were, uh, and it kind of just leaves the West up in the air. Uh, and if it makes SEC West look more competitive, I love that. Uh, and, and it'll probably just come down. I, I still think that the SEC East champion is still going to be Georgia. But now it looks like it might be a, a three to four team battle for who's going to win the West. Agreed. Yeah, which is going to be a lot of fun. But, Daniel, how – so how are you doing today, buddy? You know, I'm feeling a little loopy. Feeling a little loopy. Well, Daniel, we have – the exact thing that you need to show off how you're feeling. You don't need to go on Facebook and kind of do how you're feeling, your little 
you know, how you're feeling post. You don't have to go to Twitter and tweet it out, but you can go to thewarport.com and get your own feeling loopy shirt today on sale for $25 on thewarport.com. Their shop. And if you don't want to type that in, you don't want to go through all of the all the links to get there. We have the link in the bio. They'll take you straight to the shirt. This shirt is comfortable. Uh, if, if I was home right now, I would have already had the washing machine and I would be wearing it tomorrow. But, oh, my Lord, this shirt is the most comfortable shirt I have ever worn in my life. And there's not another shirt. I, I, I've all, I had I get talked out of uh, spending like a, uh, $125 to buy all five of these shirts. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if you've not gotten one already, go get you one. Again, we are not. I'm not just saying that because I, it's got my logo on it. But the shirt is mad comfortable. But, Daniel, we got a little bit of basketball news to talk about today. We do. Under Armour has released. Sorry, I've, I've still not regained my voice yet. Uh, but, Daniel, I'm going to let you take this away so I can uh, cough my lungs up for a little bit. Yeah, you got it. So, Auburn and Under Armour have released some fresh new basketball uniforms um, for the 2023-2024 season. Um I'm not a very descriptive talker, but the Under Armour logo is in the center. There's some nice new, like, striping up and down. Um, and instead of saying Auburn on the orange one, now it says Tigers. I believe the blue is the same, right, Dylan? Uh, it's got some new stripes going down on the on the sleeves and the neckline. Yeah. It's had a little power strip going around. Uh, the thing that I hate the most about it is these jerseys look good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's strictly because I think this is a this might be Under Armour either crying for help for Auburn to stay with Under Armour, which I'm really hoping that John Cohen can kind of push away from Under Armour. I mean, they look good. But, you know, they look even better. A Nike swoosh. I would even yeah. say the three Adidas lines look good. I, I just don't think Under Armour is is any anywhere near what it was a few years back. Uh, but now mm-hmm. you're getting athletes who. I mean, we saw Brie Ellis. Uh, she's been very vocal about uh, about what she thought about Under Armour before she transferred out. I mean, her she couldn't walk some days because of the Under Armour uh, like cleats. Like their stuff is just bad. Yeah. Uh, and you've had a there's been an entire movement on on Auburn Twitter strictly about getting rid of Under Armour. I, I don't think there's a single soul in the Auburn community that wants to keep Under Armour. Because Nike, you get better gear. And also, recruiting-wise, kids want to play for a Nike school yeah. more often than not. You're not going to get Jordan. Jordan's re- Jordan restricted to, like, one team per conference. But honestly, wouldn't blame them if they wanted to drop Florida. Wouldn't blame them whatsoever after after the season. Uh, but I, I, I just think this is just – and I hate my other theory was maybe it's a, it was a silent deal that happened uh, between Auburn and Under Armour. But honestly, I just kind of think this is just Under Armour kind of like, hey, you should stay with us. Here's a new jersey, but a, a new uniform a new uniform doesn't really do much for the fact that you've had softball players complaining. You've had football players con- complaining uh, just across the board. Just uh, Under Armour has good basketball stuff, but mm-hmm. – Auburn has what 20 something other sports going on around here. Yeah. Put some more effort into the other sports and maybe make some stuff that doesn't make our athletes like feet bleed. And maybe it'll be a good idea for Auburn to keep 
Under Armour. But for right now, there's nothing that can convince me otherwise that Auburn should sign a deal with Under Armour. Nike's right there. <laughs> but yeah. enough on enough on that that rant. We're going to talk about some some great news going around the plane on some other sports that are going on, which again y'all need to get out to uh, soccer, a soccer game. I, I was trying to I was trying to figure out which one I want to start off with. Where soccer beat American, uh, which it claims, uh, which actually means that Auburn is the best soccer team in America because we just beat America. Uh, three, three, uh, three to nothing, three nil for all you soccer enthusiasts to increase to four one and one on the season, and they will travel to Morgantown to play West Virginia on Thursday. Daniel, you co- did you cover the American game, or were you? I did not. No, not did you? Did you watch it? Um, I saw a few highlights on Twitter. The goals looked good. The goals look very, very good. This Auburn soccer team is going to be very dangerous down the line. Uh, lost to Wake Forest, but I, I like I believe you said it. Wake Forest is a good soccer team, yeah. Uh, and I think you got that tie. You got that draw over uh, over Sanford out of the way. I think Auburn soccer can make a lot of noise in the SEC this year. I do too. Yeah, and another another women's sport that's doing uh, even better than many of the other teams going on right now. Volleyball has started off the season five and zero oh, to start the season. Just got out of Tallahassee. Uh, and just speaking of Florida State, uh, after beating down SMU and Florida State three to one in sets, and has increased to five and zero, and now is officially ranked in the top twenty-five for the first time in school history. This soccer, this this volleyball team is absolutely legit. And I mean, looking at uh, Akasha Anderson, who's got sixty-seven kills on the season. Bella Bell's at fifty-seven. Madison Shoes got fifty-six. I mean. This team's killer. <laughs> they are. They're really, really good. And they will travel. Also playing on on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the Tiger Invitational, where they'll take Middle Tennessee State, Charleston Southern, and Mercer before going into next week to play against uh, a bunch of Alabama schools that I will talk about. We'll talk about next week. But volleyball. I mean, I was surprised that they actually started off unranked, following the fact that they actually were a tournament team last year. Who? Carried a lot of, of momentum carrying going into this season. They didn't lose a lot of players last year. Nope. Yeah, but overall, uh, it's going to be a great season. And for all, for soccer and volleyball, both for all y'all Auburn fans out there, the games are free, right? I mean, the yep. volleyball is free, soccer is free. There. Get there. They, I mean, the games are fun. Uh, volleyball is a very intense sport to watch. Even if you're watching on TV, it's still very fun to watch. Uh, and it's just constantly moving back and forth. Uh, and the best part about it is Auburn's good at both. Yep. So this football season, uh, while you're supporting the Auburn football team, also support the other sports going along. Uh, support women's athletics as much as possible, especially with the fact that women's basketball also might be, I don't want to say really good, but will be very competitive this year. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but, Yeah. Uh, Daniel, go ahead and let everybody know they can love you, find you, and support you. Absolutely. You can follow me on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, right, right there. You did it twice, man. Third, four, Dude, I don't five. even know what to do. Oh, not that figure. It's so over to the left. Okay, it there we go. There we go. Okay. It took an embarrassing number of tries to figure that out. But it's yeah, I'll, I'll clip that right, for you. Right there. <laughs> Moving on. 
my written works for 1819 News or the Auburn Daily or Braves today if you're an Atlanta Braves fan. And, yeah, it's been a lot of fun here today. Yes, it has, especially with whatever just happened with you right there. <laughs> but, of course, I'm Dylan Lark. I'm Dylan Lark, at you, boy, the tank, on Twitter or X. Put it whatever, it redirects, but at you, boy, the tank, and it's just right there at Y-A-B-O-I, the tank. Also catch me on Instagram, uh, at Dylan Lark, at D-Y-L-A-N-L-A-R-C-K. And, of course, if you want to follow us here on the College Loop, you have us here on YouTube where you should like, comment, and subscribe. Do you think Jarek West Hunter is going to play on Saturday? If not, I mean, is he really a necessary factor in an Auburn football win in Cal Berkeley? And, of course, if you want to follow us everywhere else, you have us on Twitter or X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and that's all going to be at the College Loop. Also here on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe yet again. If you're tired of seeing our faces, I completely understand. Look at Daniel. I completely get it. Tar's not here, so I got to pick on someone. Uh, but you can go listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And with all of that being said, this has been the College Loop Podcast. Mm-hmm.